0: Alright, what's up? Welcome to episode 31 of the Dwell a Podcast. This is Stuart Anderson. Just a short introduction before we uh, get started with Eric Flynn and your bike sounds like a bird's nest. Um, a phrase that Eric uses to describe awful sounding bikes. So uh, I thought that was funny. <laughs> He's very smart and uh, shares a lot of valuable information about how to care for your bike. Uh, Eric owns a shop in Holiday, Flynn Cyclery, and uh, a lot of great experiences with Eric that Chip and I both share. So hopefully you enjoy the episode with him. Uh, he has so much experience and uh, expertise in the in the world of fixing uh, fixing bikes. His shop is very unique. It's a uh, service only. He does offer some uh, goods for sale, soft goods and clothing and some bikes but it is built on the idea um, of service specifically so uh, hopefully you enjoy the episode he's got some great advice on how to care for your own bike uh, how to take care of things especially like washing cleaning taking care of the drivetrain he has some good suggestions so hopefully you enjoy it big shout out to our sponsors i do a a bit of a a sponsor shout out at the beginning of this podcast but i wanted to uh, you know this is the time of year where we're Reviewing and asking sponsors to um, support the team, and if if you don't know, most if not all of the sponsors on our jerseys are fellow team members. That to me is very special. These are people who are uh, committed to the team. They want to interact and be part of something bigger than themselves and support everything that we're doing. So, uh, a huge amount of love for all of our sponsors and team members who are willing to help fund not only our kits, but our website, this podcast, uh, discounts on all of the goods that we share with the team, whether it's hats, shirts, uh, contests, barbacoa gift cards. um, uh, All the things that are provided at Kit Pickup are all done and only possible through our sponsors. They allow us to do it at a huge discount as well as provide some of the funnest and, and coolest stuff to you guys, so uh, big love to them. Thanks for all they do, and thanks for everything they do to make sure that uh, this team runs. That's it. Enjoy Eric Flynn. Uh, grateful for him, and thankful for uh, everybody on the team. All right, see ya. All right, what's up? Welcome everybody to uh, another episode of the A Podcast. We're joined today by uh, Eric Flynn. Welcome, Eric. Hello, hello. Chip is going to give a little introduction to Eric in just a sec. Hey, Chip. How's it going?
1: Hey, great. Hey, everyone. Good.
0: Hey, um, just a couple team announcements. Um, the things that are on my mind, stuff on, on Chip's mind. You have to listen to this in order to get to the podcast. So I don't, I mean, I care. I don't really care. Um, one, uh, I want to thank our sponsors. This is the time of year when um, we're kind of like, revamping the jerseys and things moving forward to next year and uh, I'll tell you a quick story Um, one of our sponsors left a a corporate sponsor that found us and um, whatever I I put it out to the team and said who would like to sponsor or is there anybody that's interested and within five minutes Dean Walker stepped up you just heard Dean talk about Leadville um, and said I want to support I want to be involved. I want my logo on there. He didn't. He, that was it. He just like I want to be part of this team, um, dude. I just big love for um, for Dean and all the sponsors on the on the team on the jersey and everything. So um, just grateful for that. We'll meet this Saturday if you're listening, um, Chip. I don't know what we're gonna do about weather. <laughs> <laughs> We're supposed to have an awards party on the patio of barbacoa. So, uh, bring your umbrellas. I don't know. Yep.
1: Yep. (laughs) You know, the, the option will be to go inside if it gets too bad, but we can guarantee that your food will be covered under the awning of the patio. (laughs) (laughs) So we've got some fun awards. Um, things will hand out. So, uh,
0: RSVP with me and chip or on the group, me or Facebook page. So, uh, so we know how many people are coming for food. Um, Eric, my relationship with you goes back to Spin Cycle, taking a hike, you know, years ago from like that same kind of area that, I mean, that used to hold Holiday Cycling together, that Spin Cycle right there. They moved down to Holiday Boulevard, and it was like, then they just were gone. Um, And Eric took that space and kind of entered the Holiday City Center as the goat. And we wondered, Eric, too, like, dude, you're across from uh, Summit Cyclery. Like, how is this going to work? How are they going to compete against each other? And, man, it just it just worked out. Eric has a different space, a different kind of business model, uh, way different type of service than I don't want to – maybe we've got some Summit Cyclery listeners. But just a um, obviously our gratitude to you, Eric, for years of service – on this team, the people of holiday, uh, whatever, however you want to, uh, represent your clientele, but a uh, longtime expert on fixing our bikes, uh, and the, the system that you got. So thank you, Eric, before Chip introduces you, thank you for me and Kristen and all of the weird bikes at our house that you take care
2: of. <laughs> <laughs> all good. Yeah. Thanks for showing up. Nice
1: dude. Okay, Chip. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks too. And, uh, so excited talk with you today, Eric. Um, as Stu mentioned, um, uh, Flynn Cyclery uh, opens up in holiday and and I would uh, refer to it as just very sound and solid business. And Eric Flynn is the owner of Flynn Cyclery. They uh, specialize in service and repair. Um, Eric is uh, a racer, longtime racer himself. So therefore an expert in the industry. Um, uh, I love that Eric is an expert in, in mountain road and in gravel. And as, and that becomes really important to, uh, our team members in today's climate with everybody racing and kind of having a, a full quiver of bikes in their garage. Um, I was, uh, Introduced and got excited about Eric winning the the wild horse uh, race out in uh, um, near Tooele one of the uh, beginning gravel races uh, years ago, and uh, it, it was the little horse. It wasn't the big horse,
2: so <laughs> well, it it really, yeah, <laughs> just the, the little course I did the first the first year they had it. I did the big loop, uh-huh. and we had like torrential rain. I yes. think like a week before, and it washed out. I think the 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 backs, the front, and the backside of the second climb. So everybody rode full suspension cross country mountain bikes, which, yeah, that's what you needed that day. There were certainly guys on gravel bikes or cross bikes, and uh, they were hating it. So the next year, I was like, I don't want to be out there for six hours again, five hours again. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do this little one and um yeah it was fun just kind of got after it with some other guys and managed to come across line first so but it, it was a good nice. time yeah if anybody's on the fence for the wild horse and they don't want to you know they're kind of over the extensive hours and hours of suffering give the little the little loop a try it's a it's a good time we we'll get a solid workout you'll still get home in time hang out with the wife and kids and it won't kill your entire day but It's a a good time. Nonetheless, the big one's definitely an adventure too.
1: So yeah, it's definitely do it. That's a good one. Um, Eric's located in, in holiday, as we've mentioned, Um, recently moved anyone that has not been to Eric's new shop. Very cool. Um, Next door to Leslie's bakery. It's a, you can stop and take advantage of both um, Eric and Leslie's bakery. Uh, the eclairs, the eclairs. <laughs> that's what you want.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, uh, you know, at Flint Cyclery, uh, to wrap up his intro, really, they, they kind of tout the 24 to 48 hour turnaround, uh, timeframe. And, uh, we're going to touch on how that's been important in many case scenarios through, um, through our team, through other teams, uh, feedback on the Olympus high school team for the racers. there, Uh, they're, they're always like the day before. Right. Um, and, uh, just been extremely helpful in that sense. So Eric, thanks for joining us today. Um, Eric, you're really, you're
0: really like the only mechanic that we've had. (laughs) We have, we've had no one on this program that knows anything about like, this sure. industry this industry it just it's not like a thing um I mean my can come on but he has not talked about what you do um so this I'm, is cool I'm, I'm actually, still
2: trying I'm, to figure the industry out too so it, it changes every <laughs> year so yeah standards and whatnot everybody's got their own game plan it seems like but yeah it's a uh, it's interesting so you just try and try and roll with it and pick up what you can along the
1: way and try and make it work Yeah. Um, So, Eric, we would love to start and talk about you. had, as Stu mentioned, start um, in learning and understanding the business as a mechanic, now owner. Mm -hmm. Walk us through the decision and and how you jumped into the industry from racing into owning your own uh, shop.
2: Um, well, I guess you got to go all the way back to the beginning. So, um, little town I grew up in, in West Tennessee, uh, probably like 91 or 92. We got our first bike shop in town It's called bike world. And, uh, you know, as a kid, you're riding BMX bikes, skateboards, whatever. And, uh, BMX racing had quite the scene where I grew up. And, uh, once the bike shop showed up, we just kind of spent you know in the summertime all our time cruising around on bikes and we hang out at the bike shop until they kick us out and you know and uh slowly learned how to how to fix stuff, how to break stuff. And uh from there, I think when I was sixteen I finally got a, a job at that shop. And um my father was heavily into fitness and sports and all that stuff. So he would he would win these, like, I don't know if they were sales contests or something, but he would get like these department store bikes as like, uh, these 10 speeds, you know, like free spirits and AMFs and all that. So he would just take off and ride for, you know, hours on end. And my sister and I would just wonder where he'd go. Uh, where we grew up was pretty conducive for road riding. So you could get out of town pretty quick and just, you know, uh, kind of out in the boonies middle of nowhere. So anyway, I kind of, uh, got into that with him, just riding and stuff. and then um, I think we took a trip out to Colorado where he grew up and he kind of took us through the Rockies. but this was kind of um, the, the late 80s and uh, we went and toured uh, the Coors brewery and they uh, sponsored the Coors Classic back in the 80s with Greg Lamont, Bernardino would race and all these guys. and it was just this thing that I had knew nothing about, but it was just overwhelming and uh so that kind of started the whole bicycle the road road cycling thing and um along with bmx i always kind of had a hankering for for road riding and uh got into the shop um started to kind of just learn things like everybody does and then uh moved to oklahoma for almost two years and uh worked at a couple stores there um the biggest thing was just working with people Um, who, who knew the the trade really well. So learning from them and, uh, had a chance to move out here in, I think, 97. Um, some friends of mine that I grew up with in Tennessee came out here to go to school. And one of them was kind of looking for roommates and was transferring from UVU to Westminster. And I was in between semesters in school and had really got heavy into the road racing in Oklahoma um, and, uh, just kind of decided to pack my bags up and move out here. And, uh, again, came out here, uh, worked at, uh, I don't know if you remember Pedersen Ski and Sports. Oh yeah. I got yeah, rollerblades there. The there. Tom Wood Mall down in the basement down there. Loved it. I, <laughs> my yeah. favorite, my favorite rack was the, uh, the
0: give blood, the give blood rack. Remember that rack? Oh, give yeah. blood, play yeah. soccer, roller. My yep. favorite part of Pedersen. Yeah.
2: Rollerblades. Snowboards, bikes,
1: nice. Nice. whatever, yeah, anything and everything. <laughs> I, I so, bought a bike there, actually. Yeah, I nice. bought a Trek a Trek bike there. Yeah,
2: bike. the Mount, Mountain Tex, I think, was their house brand. So, but yeah, ran the, the service department there and uh, kind of, again, road racing was kind of the, the focus at the time, you know, the be all end all to life and um, uh, met uh, Ryan Littlefield, owner of contender we raced together and uh started working for him i think in like maybe like oh one when he first moved down to ninth and ninth no the little spot on ninth ninth uh, east and stayed there for quite a few years and uh a couple other jobs in between got married 99 uh and uh managed to store up by the youth for a little bit called cycle smith and mm-hmm. uh my wife is in the kind of construction loan banking world. So she saw the holiday uh, village kind of coming through the pipes. And I guess they had wanted to, to get a bike shop in. Spin cycle had already closed at the time. And uh, so I was like, well, no better time than now. So <laughs> took what I had and started it up. It wasn't much on the walls. Anybody walked in that time definitely remembers. But uh, but that was kind of the, fo- the, the focus I always wanted to do was – Kind of a service, not a service only, but a service-heavy uh, focus. You know, kind of a, a a bicycle service center, if you will. And uh, you know, it's like anything. You you have a hundred people around you, telling it's not going to work, and usually that means it's probably going to work. So, just decided to keep it going, keep after it, keep going. And uh, yeah, it's it's here we are, eight nine years later. Uh, kind of outgrew that spot. Um, we we're just running out of room um, super cramped. And, uh, luckily around the corner this the spot opened up and, uh, yeah, we've got almost three times the space and,
1: uh, yeah, apparently it's working. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's fun, man. What a great story. Um, to, um, to kind of shed light on how, you know, Eric works and is able to, um, work on every single type of, I ju- of bike. I just want to share a personal experience. Um, I chose to do the uh, Wasatch all Road, then point to point, and then Just. So three different bikes, three different weeks, uh, but you want to be training on each of those bikes all the way up until the race. And so not only are you looking for someone that can um, work on that bike specifically, but also have a pretty quick turnaround time even before the weekend and riding it prior to that weekend. So, um, right out of the gates, um, my, um, gravel bike was completely tuned, ready to roll for, um, (coughs) Wasatch all road while my mountain bike was inside with Eric, jumped off the, um, the, the gravel bike and onto the mountain bike that was totally tuned. Perfect for point to point. Another quick swap into the road bike. Eric had completely tuned, uh, my road bike ready for Lodeja race Lodeja. And the very next week able to take my gravel bike, turn it into a cross bike for racing cross the week after Lodeja. So, um, <laughs> When we say that Eric understands the full quiver, uh, you're able to just present him with, uh, anything and he just, uh, is able to work on anything. And, and I think that it goes a little bit beyond that. It's like, um, someone that can work as a, as a mechanic can kind of do what you ask them to do, but it's better when one can give you advice and be like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that or I would do this based on experience. I wouldn't do that. I would try this. Uh Um, Sometimes that either saves you a lot of money and, or it saves you a lot of like um, trial and error, which is really expensive. Uh, Stu, you had an experience just the same with trying to build a wheel with Eric. That's what um, I would love to highlight about going into Flynn cyclery.
0: Well, and beyond that, it's like, I now trust Eric's opinion, like across the board. Like he is the, the end all, like Kristen and I argue about a thing and then she takes it to Eric and I'm like, do it, do that thing, <laughs> do it, do it. he says. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that yeah. is so nice. It's so nice to have, I mean, Chip and I work in an industry where we're like, um, dentistry is built on trust. You know, it's like, I I go to you because I trust your opinion about my mouth. Um, Mm -hmm. It's fun to do the same thing with you, Eric. It's like, we know you now, Um, your opinion and what you do to our, our Briggs is uh, always spot on. So I want to know, Eric, did you create this business model? Do you have a mentor? Did you just come up with this? I mean, how did that work? How did you get into
2: where you are? Um, mentors, uh, guys I've worked with in the past, uh, some some, just really good uh, mechanics and kind of lifers, I guess you could say. But uh, they've just been around forever. But we always had the discussion of – I think that the first time, like, I really – we gave it, like, a really good honest, like, look was when I was managing uh, – uh, Cycle Smith up by the U. And uh, we kind of really started pushing this service thing, that, like uh, um, a lot of college kids, broke college kids up there, uh, just riding around on these just blasted out bikes, you know, but didn't want to buy anything new. And uh, we were trying to sell new bikes. We didn't have the big heavy brands. That's the other thing with, with shops, you've got to have you got to have some anchor brands specialized specialize a track Trek, a Giant, a Cannondale, those kinds right. of things. And if you don't, um, it's, it's kind of hard. Um, there's great bike brands out there that aren't as big as those, but people kind of have a – there's a little trepidation there as far as diving into a brand that's either not as well-known or, they, or their friends aren't riding or the friends haven't told them about. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of the moment where we are like, can this work? And, um, you know, we kind of – you don't want to you know, gouge your, your your labor rates up just to make it work. You want to, you want to stay reasonable and, and, and keep things, uh, you know, economic for people, but you got to have the turnaround. You got to have the flow. Um, so that was, that was, uh, yeah, I, I guess that was, the, I guess we, I was, the, I don't know. I guess I was the first one to just jump into the fire and try it. I don't know. I'm sure somebody <laughs> else out there has done it, but, uh, it's, it was definitely nerve wracking at first. And, um, Luckily, I mean, I was able to, I picked up Norco. Uh, they're kind of our main, we we sell a few bikes um, in the past, obviously not this year due um, to COVID and the situation there. But um, uh, but yeah, a great brand, Canadian brand, been up there since I think the 60s. Very, very, very strong mountain bike lineup. I'd put them up against anybody. Um, but again, when I first opened, I had um, their bikes on the floor and constantly having to explain to people who they were, what they were. And um, it was hard to move them. So uh, yeah, that, that was kind of the main thing was uh, just, just making the service gig work, having the wear and tear Mm -hmm. parts, trying to have the wear and tear parts on the wall, the tires, cassettes, chains, brake pads, those kinds of things. Um, Not really worrying about the clothes, you know, that, that another thing, I, I think with, with any new business owner, maybe, is you get kind of caught up in like what the established shops are doing, Mm. what they have on the wall, what they're moving. Uh, You know, you're like, ah, I went into XYZ shop the other day and man, they've got a wall full of clothing, you know, $300 CD shoes. And uh, and you you come home and you're kind of bummed out and you're like, ah, I'm never going to work. But the thing is, is those shops, they've been 20, 30 years in the making. You know, that just didn't happen overnight. So even those guys started out real small and kind of went through the same growing pains as, as everybody else. And I think with our store and kind of what we're doing and just to try and stick to the guns. And um, and I think when, when I first opened, uh, there was a guy, oh, I, that's terrible. I can't remember his name, but he owns the, I think the ski loft over off a of Highland Drive. It's where you go to get oh, boot yeah. f- mm-hmm. great boot fittings. And Yeah, and right by the hot store. Mm -hmm. exactly yeah and he kind of came in it was kind of like this weird like oracle moment he was just kind of just roaming around and weird (laughs) small talks and and he's like well i hope you do well and i was like yeah you know me too and he's like can i give you one piece of advice i was like Mm. absolutely And he's like focus on what you're good at all right you know and that's kind of what i constantly remembered over this whole process is just kind of um I mean, obviously you want to try and, you know, reach out and take chances of new things and try and get different balls rolling. And, but I think at the end of the day, you, you kind of all, you're anchored by what, what got you there to begin with and kind of what, nice. what, what got things moving. And that's kind of where I want to try and continue things to go. And, um, and given the nature of the industry too, right now, you're starting to see, I mean um, a lot of the big brands, they're going consumer direct you know and they still create a relationship with the shops but a lot of brands you buy straight off their website be it their soft goods some their bikes right. and uh they'll ship them to a, a store that's either a current dealer or you know you go pick the stuff up so there's there's still a channel there but um but yeah there's definitely going big on the inventory side if you're not established uh it's definitely a big gamble nowadays Um, and that's, yeah, that's, we're just trying to keep this thing going. So it's working. So, yeah.
0: Um, Chip, maybe we could talk for a sec about, um, I'd love to hear Eric's perspective on what's happening in the industry. Um, like from your perspective, Eric, what Mm -hmm. has changed in the last year, year and a half?
2: Well, um well we'll take covid and kind of set that aside for the moment but as far as like we'll come back to it but um the technology is just mind blowing how fast things come out new new product new standards uh you know new everything and um, getting the new stuff to work with the old stuff. Will the old frame work with the new bottom bracket? Will the new mm. rear wheel fit my new spacing on my my old <laughs> bike? You know, and it's like, yeah, you know, that's that's the the I guess one of a few, many headaches. I guess, but the the hard part is is like all this technology that's coming out is amazing. You know, it, it it makes riding very enjoyable. Um, especially if, you know, you've, you've, kind of been around for a while. So you've, you've run the gamut of, of, you know, nine speed Dura-Ace, you know, climbing the backside of, uh, you know, big cottonwood, um, you know, on a 3925 in 1997, you know, <laughs> that was all you knew <laughs> But like, now it's, you know, you, you've got these huge gearing options, bikes with insane tire, uh, you know, options as well. Um, so it's, that's, that's the big thing, but yeah, trying to, trying to just keep up with it all and, you know, keep people's old steeds working with some of the new equipment and vice versa. And, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a cursing and a bless a blessing and a curse, I should say. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely fun. It's interesting. And, uh, some of the stuff It's I guess this might be the old curmudgeon grumpy mechanic coming out of me, but, you have a lot of kind of smaller brands, um, that not bike brands, but brands that will make, say, like, uh, you know, some some componentry, uh, wheels, hubs, uh, cassettes, uh, you know, different things. And uh, you kind of get things going and they don't work out too well. And you kind of wonder, you know, how much R&D do they put, you know, or testing do mm. they put into these things? And uh, I'm not going to name any names or anything like that. But, yeah, it's just uh, there's, there's a big... Uh, kind of a a hurried push to get this stuff out to people and get it into the industry. And um, a few companies that'll make, uh, they kind of specialize in uh, making uh, products that are compatible with different things, you know, different, you know, compatible with Shimano, compatible with SRAM compatible with, you know, whatever. And uh, some of them don't work out too well and they're expensive. So when people bring these things in and, you know, you, you put them on and, the wear and tear isn't as long as it should be, or you know, that the matches the price point, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's that's uh it's 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 an interesting time for sure in the bike biz. Um yeah, the technology is just so fast and everything's changing every year. There's you know, new products and um, but yeah, and then you've got the situation we're in right now with COVID and the just complete collapse of the supply chains. Um, I'm sure anybody listening would, you know, that's not just bikes, it's everything, you know, basically from China. Um, But uh, just getting stuff into people's hands, the demand is huge, but stuff just can't get off the boat. You know, I think I was reading last week, um, there's over 70 cargo ships completely packed with freight anchored off Long Beach waiting, Yeah, you know, and that's who knows what's out there, you know, I'm sure right. there's a few, few bike chains waiting to get, to get in my, my continental but, uh, five thousands are out there. Exactly. Yeah. So, and that's the, that's a struggle too, is you're trying to stay on top of, you know, keeping what you can in stock. And um, a lot of distributors now they have kind of panic buying rules in place to where you can only buy X amount of a product when it shows up, you know, so you jump on that, it's all gone the next day. You got to wait almost a month for the next wave to show up. Dang. So, yeah, you're. it's uh, – and they're. you know, like people will come in. They'll bring the bikes and, you know, just a, a regular tune-up, you know, just a basic tune-up. Hey, can you throw a new chain on, you know, my 9-speed, nope. you know, 1997, <laughs> you know, Univega, and they're you're <laughs> like, I don't have any 9-speed chains. And you're like, you don't have any 9-speed chains. Now no. you explain what's going on. And so you're trying not to, to look stupid, but you're trying to just, you know, it's it, it's definitely weird. So you just roll with it and, you know, you'll get uh, a lot of our parts distributors. They've got, you know, uh, parts wash notifications. So when something shows up at the warehouse, you'll either get a text or an email. I personally sign up for the text You get them a little quicker. Um, I think I got one from a distributor Sunday morning. Uh, for like eleven speed chains,
1: Yeah. luckily there
2: were there were two different brands and two different models, so I was able to get like fifteen chains and I was like you know freaking out, so I immediately opened my phone, opened the app for the distributor, get everything going, you know submit the order, and it 's like any idea of trying to like consolidate freight and maximize freight costs and all it just goes out the window and it's you know <laughs> and a lot of times you'll you 'll punch the stuff into the system and as soon as you go to your checkout cart everything's gone
1: yeah mm-hmm. and oh
2: so, yeah and you're just sitting there like what What am i supposed to do so <laughs> yeah. but no it's uh you make it work somehow you know like today for example i drove out to um you know competitive cyclists backcountry.com over on 3200 west to get three you know rear shock sleeve kits that are sixteen dollars a piece you know, pay full retail for them just to get bikes out the door, and as our parts distributors, they'll you know they <clears throat> they won't have any for a month. But a company like Backcountry, who has enormous buying power, they seem to have everything under the sun, which is interesting. Yeah. You know, yeah, is what it is. You know, I'll go out there and wait and pick up a little bit of camping product too while I'm there. So <laughs> spread the love around. But, nice. Uh, yeah, good times.
1: Oh, that is, um, go ahead, Stu.
0: No, I was just going to transition a bit into, um,
1: Eric giving advice, but if you had something else, Chip, um, um, you know, I just, everyone wants to know when that, uh, is going to end. Eric, Mm -hmm. everyone wants to know. And I would just wonder if in the industry, you have any feeling if any of the products are getting easier like it, this is the first time where you're kind of grateful for the quiver of bikes that you might have cuz you're just like I just I'm holding on to the like yeah, yeah. you could sell, sell anything you <laughs> could sell anything for whatever you wanted right now but you can't get it back so yeah. now you're just like holding 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 waiting waiting yeah so, yeah i've
2: heard uh um i was speaking to a guy today he's from colorado he owns a store out there and uh he was on the phone with SRAM a couple days ago, and their main distrib- their main basically hub out in Chicago. He said, "We've got you know containers full of product, but we don't have people to unload them." So, wow. yeah, the production's been in place for a while, so the product's made. It's 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 there, literally waiting to get unboxed and get distrib- distributed to, to shops and and whatnot. So it's I've heard. You know, obviously the, the the worst end of the spectrum, as I've heard, like obviously late 2022, early 23, that's for a lot of bikes though. So some big brand yeah. bikes, you might not see some of those, but kind of the bread and butter stuff, you know, your, your $400 mm-hmm. to $2,000 price points. Um, but as far as product goes, they're hoping kind of mid 22. Um, I don't think anything will be back to normal, whatever, you know, two years ago, three years ago, that normal. But um, these these periods of like months on end for waiting for a set of brake pads to show up and, and whatnot and uh, those yeah probably mid next year things should be relatively calm but you know who knows but uh, but yeah just in the meantime you know as advice to consumers who are listening to people riding. Um, you know don't be afraid to try a new brand of brake pads you never heard of you know <laughs> or something like that or a, a KMC chain versus your Shimano or whatever it's mm-hmm. you know don't be afraid of those things they're they're good they'll they'll get you done so but yeah that's uh it's kind of where it's at you just you know you dig through what you can and get a hold of stuff as it pops up but as mm-hmm. far as when yeah i'm i'm hoping next year middle of next year maybe so we'll see mm-hmm you yep. well um
0: my my only i mean the, the one thing i wanted to talk about <clears throat> eric was mm. imagine like the dumbest bike owner on on planet earth okay bringing bringing. <laughs> okay you can see him in your head <laughs> um, i think i've got a visual yeah you got, it. Yep. okay <laughs> i think i saw that bike last time i was in yeah. um but like if you were going to talk to a group of people who own very expensive machines, sure. Like what, adv- what advice, like top five things are, is essential that you're going to explain to them as somebody who sees bike after bike, after bike, after bike.
1: Yeah. Um And, and Stu so... and Eric, one of the questions that you may not think in your mind and, but we want you to answer is this one. Mm-hmm. Um should you spray down your bike how frequently some some mechanics will say quit spraying down your bike so frequently and washing it and keeping others will say you gotta you gotta keep this thing tuned so give us the right and wrong on maintaining the the high-end bikes um where to spray not to spray etc as well
2: gotcha so with Stu's question i would say um especially with these high-end bikes these i mean you you guys know i mean you can spend 10 grand on a bike you know and and beyond um especially the high-end bikes it's uh i don't know if it's at the point when the bikes are sold or if there's a lack of information doesn't happen all the time i'm not saying this you know but uh these bikes are like you got to look at them as like you know Ferraris you know high-end cars that are getting driven every day and you got to put your hands on them a lot and uh especially bottom brackets for example press fit bottom brackets uh, those things and uh brake pads chains it's just wear and uh yeah they've they've, they've got to see the you know the mechanic's hands quite a bit or if the owner knows how to do these things too it's it's uh it's it's not like I guess a lot of things in our, in our consumer world where, you know, you, you pay the money for the thing and then it does its, its, its job until it's dead, you know, bikes. You, you Yeah. They, there's a lot of wear and tear going on and um, disc brakes, for example, um, you plan on three, four sets of disc pads a season, you know, and, uh, um, two, three, three chains a season, you know, and, um, yeah, it's uh that's I, I would say sometimes one of the hard parts to to get across to people is uh, just the amount of touching and, and, and rejuvenation you gotta throw at these things, you know, and how fast a pair of you know Connie five thousand tires will wear out, you know, that's a ninety dollar tire. And <laughs> some people will burn through those in, you know, a month and a half, two months, and it's uh it's just it is what it is. And but uh but yeah. Um, and then on what you're talking about, as far as maintenance and care, just general maintenance, I, the road and mountain bikes, two different vibes. I would say with a mountain bike, um, especially where we live, um, for the most part, it's dry, it's dusty. Um, after your ride, just take a hose to it. Don't put it on like full blast. You don't have to like, you know, power wash the thing, but just spray off the dust off, you know, all in Shocks, you know, everywhere. But obviously, don't you know, don't put it on high power. Wash into the hubs and the bottom bracket and all that. But getting that just that fine layer of dust off the bike after a ride, and just a little nice little wipe down. You know, you don't have to bust out mm-hmm. the, the the cleaners and everything, the degreasers and all that stuff every time. But that'll save you a ton of wear over the time, mm-hmm. over you know, over over the season. And uh, with uh, with lubrication too, I would say watch your over lubing because a lot of we get a ton of bikes in here that are just doused in lubrication and uh you know the customer will be like i'm keeping it lubed why is my chain wearing out so fast well that lube (laughs) that lube acts if you got too much on there it acts as as if it's glue so any dirt or debris that's coming off off the road it's just going to stick to the chain it's going to stick to your cogs. it's going to stick to everything all of a sudden, you got sand, you got little tiny, tiny little rocks stuck to your chain that are going over the cogs and the teeth and all that stuff. And um, Yeah, just uh, with road bikes, I would say like uh, just obviously keep the chain lubed and then um, don't don't overdo it. Yeah. And then just give everything a, light, a little wipe down every once in a while. Um, if, you, if you do like to get after it and clean things really well, uh, a citrus-based degreaser for the drivetrain. Um, okay. stay away from like the purple stuff or whatever it's called, you know, from uh, the auto stores. Yeah. Just a nice, uh, citrus based degreaser, do your scrubbing and whatnot with that dedicated brush and then spray it off with water. A lot of that stuff's water soluble. So it literally just falls off the bike. Um, do all your drying and whatnot. And then just a little bit of lube on the chain and whatnot. Uh, as far as the frames, you know, remember, uh, like the old days when you used to wash your car in your driveway, little bucket, and whatnot. Don dish soap, just get a nice and sudsy, get the bike wet, scrub away. Don, Don's awesome. It's great on your hands too. It's good handling. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you don't have to get too crazy with things. Um, obviously just, just don't power wash, you know, you know, especially like the bottom bracket, the headset, places where all the little small bearings are and things like that. But yeah, but yeah just, uh, I would say like the number one rule, just don't over lube your chain trying not to get too crazy with the lube and um, don't let things get completely the other end of the spectrum. We, I have to we'll dive into like the, the Nika, the high school kids, but <laughs> I think, uh, myself, Isaac, a couple other guys I know from some other shops, we've, we've gone and done support at, uh, at some of the races. And it's like, well, you know, we ask each other, well, what should I bring? Should I bring some spare brake pads some cables and spring a bottle of lube and a derailleur hanger straightening gauge. That's all you'll need. <laughs> <I know. laughs> like these bikes will roll in and they just sound like a bird's nest. And You're like, all right, you got to bring the kid over here. I'm like, all right, let me show you how to do this. All right. I want you to do this every other ride. I'm like, okay. You, you, it's fun showing them how to take care of things and you can see the light bulb go off, but there are some dry <laughs> bikes out there. And, and it's not just the kids either. I gotta say, it's uh you know, I'll be out riding and you'll you'll catch up to people, or people will catch up to you and you'll chat with people, and it's just you're trying to talk, but <laughs> all you can hear is this chain just uh-huh. going through this drivetrain the whole time. Oh my god. And it's just oblivious. You're like, you hear that, right? right.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: but no, yeah, it's just. I guess there's, there's things in, in other people's worlds that I'm probably just as oblivious to as yeah. well, but, but yeah, just, uh, you know, just keep things looped up, but not too much.
0: Mm. I love I think so. that's going to be the name, the name of the podcast. Don't go crazy with
1: the loop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. But, Speaking on, on behalf of coaching at Olympus, that, that team is forever in your debt. And we hear, um, some of the parents come and they arrive on race day. If they if their kid races at 2 PM, they have been in Eric's shop at 10 or 11 AM and they are like <laughs> his bike sounds <laughs> like Eric just described. Can you do so? And, and Eric drops it and at least it gets it uh, to the start line, you know, running. Yeah. So. We, we try,
2: it definitely comes down to the wire several times, but yeah, it's uh, we try and keep them rolling and, um you know god bless these mothers man They got know. they're juggling all these kids around and you know keeping these bikes moving and trying to keep everybody happy and on schedule so, so i I, I, th- I feel sorry for them the most but yeah it's, i uh, can't,
0: I cannot wait to say to someone your bike sounds like a bird's nest
1: yeah that's the name <laughs> of the podcast that's uh that's awesome eric yeah
0: Hey, um, Eric, one thing we usually ask everybody, I mean, if you're game, um, you've, you've ridden bikes a lot, you're in this culture, sure. um, beyond bike maintenance, like what, what advice would you give to, you know, cyclists in general, you, you see the gamut from mm. probably the most experienced to the new beginner, um, any like life advice,
2: you'd give to a cyclist? Man, that's a deep one. I don't know. <laughs> like uh I would say, I mean, we all do this because I think at the end of the day it's it's kind of like our Prozac, I guess. I don't know. I'm sure you guys know if you go a few days without riding, you know, your your wife or somebody's just like, dude, you gotta go get on your bike and get away from me right now and figure it out, you know? But yeah, just obviously like enjoy yourself and and cherish the moments where you can just get out of your own head and just figure life out think about things and uh, you know that's that's I, I mean one of the many reasons I do it um, it's kind of I remember as a kid like I would I'd get home from school and I'd just get on my bike and go and I'm in the middle of like West Tennessee in the middle of nowhere and I've just been getting all the things figured out in my head that have been bugging me or, you know, the life things, I guess. And, um, that's kind of the main, one of the, one of the big things with me is just, you know, de- de-stressing the brain and obviously the the benefits that come with the body, but, um, try not to get caught up in, I, and I guess like, uh, kind of what you think you, sh- you should be riding or you should be wearing or you, or the way you're supposed to look or, you know it's it's uh we're all out here for kind of the same reasons at the end of the day and uh um it's yeah it's it's one of the the, the simplest pleasures in life and uh it doesn't have to be a a ten thousand dollar bike you know it certainly makes it fun but it's uh, even just like a a cruise around the block on an old schwinn stingray or something you know just and just seeing the world from a bike and trying to figure those things out in life and all that. and There's the kind of the competitive side of things, I guess it's uh, you know, the, the sport, you know, racing or whatnot can be very, uh, uh, very extreme on both ends, you know, success, you know, winning a race or animating a race or, or whatnot can, can really boost your, your, your your emotional levels in a positive direction and at the same time um you know the other side the defeats or whatever the you know the not living up to what you thought you are supposed to do or what you could do those can really beat you down and uh it's just you know you got to find the middle ground and try and try and keep it you know keep it where it's supposed to be which is you know why you're doing it which is just the love of like riding a bike and um yeah, I guess that's what I got. I don't know that helps or confuses awesome. people. But but yeah, it's uh I try and you know, we've we've all got families and kids and whatnot and you try and share kind of the joy of, of of what it is and you know, and those few moments where, you know, you're you're dragging your son or daughter up a you know, Mormon pioneer trail and you're like, mm. you know, they're here we are. Dad's making me breathe hard again, you know, and it's like, (laughs) (laughs) and then you turn around and come down and you follow them and you can see them, you know, trying to catch air off of a little jump and it's, you know, on the ride home, it's, you know, you get the, thanks dad. That was fun. You know, Mm -hmm. that's uh, that's, that's all
1: it really takes.
2: So. Man, Eric, well, we want
1: to, we want to thank you for your time. Uh, we want to thank you for your support, both in the advice um, in the industry and the advice on all of our own uh, mechanical needs that we uh, bother you about on a daily basis. And we really want to thank you for being a part of the community as well. Um, it's really nice to have you in the community and and you hear Eric's name uh, talked about in... during the group rides, you know, you hear Eric Flynn, like I mentioned at the Olympus rides by the coaches, you hear Eric's name, uh, inside the Peloton as we're going up a Canyon. And so we, we want to wrap up by saying that Eric and, and Flynn cyclery has a, has a great reputation, um, a great shop, uh, check them out. And, um, again, Eric, thanks for your time and thanks for all you do for, me dwelly and uh and the community yeah
2: thanks for coming in man appreciate it
1: dude you're like a you're like a
0: community leader ah pressure you I are that pressure, <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we would crumble without you oh <laughs> um, well thanks means a lot yeah i'm glad uh yeah thanks for showing up and the guys on the team i see them quite a bit uh dean walker awesome dude uh see him quite a bit too great guy but yeah just getting to know everybody the midwally guys uh you know everybody rmcc whoever and just uh keep it up with you guys you guys don't give each other enough, enough props as far as like your student getting up at like 3 30 o'clock in the morning and doing like 120 miles before work and same <laughs> with you spencer the, the rides you guys go on and the dedication i, don't know. I, I If I knew I was going to do a ride like that in the morning, I couldn't fall asleep. (laughs) Just the fact that you can get some sleep before you do something like that is very, very impressive. And uh, if anybody out there does not follow these guys on Strava, I highly recommend you you check them out and check out the uh, the rides. Quite a
0: circus. They throw
2: down. at. Yeah. And all the guys on the club. Yeah. You know, your early morning immigration rallies and all that. So it's. It's fun. You motivated me. I got. I think I got in like. I think I got like eight rides before seven o'clock right. in the morning this yeah. year. Nice. Yep. That's so, great. Yeah, it's, I'm, it's, I'm on. A, I'm on a good track. I've, I've killed some old habits. So I'm, <laughs> next, next summer, next summer is going to be some six a.m.ers coming up. So nice. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, thanks for the help and uh, thanks for hanging around, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Eric. All right, dude. Thanks, guys.